Good morning, Wisconsin. I'm Brett Healy, president of the MacGyver Institute, and welcome to another edition of the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast. Today, we're joined by State Representative Janelle Branchin of the 22nd Assembly District. Good morning, Janelle. Good morning. Thanks for letting me be on today. Thanks for joining us. We we appreciate it. Why don't you give our listeners a quick background uh, uh, what where you're from and uh, what you did before you were elected to the uh, to the assembly. Oh, well, sure. Uh, I get the privilege of representing both Washington, Waukesha, and Milwaukee counties, um, which includes, obviously, the city of Milwaukee, Menominee Falls, uh, Lannan, Lisbon, Colgate, and Richfield, um, and a little bit of Hartford as well. So it's in Erin, which is part of, of the district as well. So lots of opportunities from Holy Hill all the way to Milwaukee. Uh, I currently have the privilege of still having a business in Menominee Falls. My husband and I have had a business for 25 years. We have an advertising agency. We have two daughters and I, I attended both UWM, my husband and I, UW-Milwaukee, and we have lived in Menominee Falls for 25 years. So we are really feel blessed to be part of the assembly team. And we... Um... We feel blessed to have you joining us today on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you've spent a lot of time in your career uh, in the assembly on ballot integrity issues, and this session is no different. Uh, you got a couple different proposals out there, and we wanted to take a second and talk to you a little more about those proposals and and have you explain to our listeners what exactly they do and what more importantly what you're hoping to try and accomplish with these bills. So let's start with Assembly Bill 203, uh, having to do with direct balloting. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about uh, about AB 203? Sure, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention my thanks to Senator Dave Craig for being the, the Senate lead on this. Uh, 203 was a conversation that Senator Craig and I and the clerks around the state had, gosh, almost three years ago. And it has to do with the fact that people like to um, vote absentee, early vote, as you and I would call it. And as both Republicans and Democrats have pushed to have early voting, you know, now's the time, two weeks before early voting. Um, Milwaukee and some of the other Madison have pushed it as early out as six weeks, which we have no control about. But we, um, the amount of ballots coming in, I don't know if people have ever done that before. You initially outside the envelope and you put your ballot inside of an envelope. And many times the clerks would hear something to the effect of, gosh, do they even count these? Well, do they even count these? Has it gotten to the point that they're almost 50%, almost a million ballots coming up will now be processed that way? Well, where do you put a million ballots around the state? Well, they're put on shelves and locked just with a general rule of being they have to be under lock and key. So lock and key, what does that mean? Well, in 1960, when we came up with this rule, pretty easy. You just had to be locked up. But now you're looking at a million ballots being locked up in different county offices. So think about it. Um, you've given your ballot. It's now alphabetized, put, in, put into a room. What, what does that mean for you? Um, where does it go? How does it get transported to central count? All of those rules really don't exist. So uh, the clerks came to us and said, listen, we are overwhelmed with the amount of the simple act of opening an envelope 
and putting into a ballot on Election Day because it can only be processed on that Tuesday from 7 a.m. to whenever they finish. It's a situation where you had Milwaukee with 40,000 votes being tallied at the last minute because the envelopes had been opened and the ballots are destroyed. So they had to be remade out. So in Central Count, where these, these absentee ballots fall into until the larger communities, they're remade out in a room with, um, with observers, obviously, but it's thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of ballots that day that they're rushing to get this done. So the clerks looked at the machines that were sitting in their offices and said, you know, what, what if we could have the actual voter put their ballot into a machine and come up with a more secure process? And that's what AB203 became. And it's been up there. Uh, this is the second session we've pushed for it. As you can imagine, change always has all kinds of concerns. But um, far more security than we've had before. It would save all of the communities money because they wouldn't just need as many poll workers. It would add efficiency. And most importantly, it adds the, the voter integrity of the voter being able to put their ballot into the machine. So just to be clear, Representative, so right now, if someone votes early absentee, I think they would believe that once the clerk of their municipality receives that ballot in the mail, that it goes into the machine. But you're saying that's not the case. No, by law right now, those ballots are not processed to Election Day. And that's why many times when if you vote in person on Election Day, You'll see um, the poll workers with thousands of ballots stuffing them into the machines. And it's, if they're rejected, they have to be remade out by um, the poll workers. If they go through, then they're counted. So think about the fact that early voting has become very popular with young people, with anybody who has kids sometimes, or anybody who has doubts about their ability in town. Something that used to be just a few thousand votes maybe in every community is now turned to, in some communities, almost 70% of the, of the votes. So people like to vote early, um, even though they may be putting it in the envelope. But when it's taken out of the envelope, it's touched twice before it goes into the machine. And if it's made out improperly, you would never know uh, when you early vote. It would just be a ballot that would have been canceled out because it was made out improperly. And that is in one of those cases maybe where you voted twice the same election in the same party, or um, if there was uh, both covering Democrat and Republican in a fall election, it would, it would cancel itself out as well. Ultimately, all those early voting uh, ballots are alphabetized, and you have the power to go back if you chose to, and you could reclaim your ballot on election day. So by having a system where the individual actually puts them ballot into the machine, number one, when it goes into the machine, it takes a picture of the front and the back of the ballot, so you're able to get that information. The ballot is then tagged in the bag with two sets of initials for the day, and then for transparency's sake, it would be then um, put on the internet, so there would be, you wouldn't know what the outcome of the ballot was, but that there were a thousand folks that voted that day. There's a federal charge put on anybody's ability to to get the information about um, about trying to get early information on ballots. And remember, when you put it into the machine, all it is, it's kind of like a placeholder. It's just holding that information. 
until 8 o'clock on election night until you would go through three separate key codes. Only then would the machine start to tally the information. So although the machine, kind of like the old computers or um, pin keys for, that you would use for a calculator, it stores the information, but until the codes are put up, would the machine actually tell you who, was, who had won the election? So uh, you mentioned how uh, this bill came about from a conversation with clerks around the states uh, approximately three years ago. Um, what's, uh, why hasn't this bill been passed earlier? What sort of uh, opposition are you running into on AB203? So, as you can imagine, um, a lot of people don't understand that it's actually the municipal clerks, your local clerks, that won the elections. County clerks uh, provide the ballots and make sure that the machines are there and do some of the testing. Um, a few county clerks, uh, uh, that's one of the great things about Wisconsin, that there are several different ways to vote in Wisconsin. If you're up north, you may not have a machine. If you're down in Milwaukee, we have high-capacity machines that can do counting. So it is very decentralized, and that allows um, you know different folks to be able to vote in what makes the most sense for that community. If you have a community of only 100 and some voters, it makes sense to have very high-power equipment, not necessarily. Um, and so that being said, some of the clerks are concerned that this is going to be mandatory, which it is not. It's a voluntary process. And in other communities like uh, Brookfield and uh, Waukesha and um, Milwaukee, they're dealing hundreds and thousands of votes that need to be processed, and they're just not sure how fast they can get it done. So I guess that change is always a little difficult. And so right now, your bill is not a statewide mandate. It is instead just a uh, voluntary suggestion. Is that correct? It's a voluntary process that okay. uh, requires quite a few improvements. You have to lay out a process of how you can include your security. And it would also include um, an inspection process from WEX. And probably one of the most interesting things about the bill is it uses a real-time system for knowing how knowing who our voters are. So before you even get a ballot, you would go through the WEC system to determine, um, which is um, the Wisconsin Election Commission, if you're even if you should even get a ballot, right? It would eliminate folks from being able to double vote under a name and address, which is, you know, if we can stop folks from having that opportunity to get a ballot and they shouldn't, I think that would give more folks uh, clarity on voter integrity. And the fact that it's only voluntary and not a uniform requirement across the whole state, was that a, um, a compromise that you offered uh, in trying well, to I get think, this bill passed? Or Yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked to clerks around the state. Again, uh, Senator Bernier was a big part of this, as well as Senator Craig. And when we had these conversations, obviously this process really didn't offer any um, any interest for some folks that were smaller communities or communities that um, felt that their early voting had not reached this epic level that we see in some of the communities down here in southeast Wisconsin. So um, the, the point was, no, we, we certainly don't want to force a system on folks that doesn't make any sense for them. 
or that their current system is working for them. This is more or less a system where Milwaukee County, this would save them almost $200,000 for an election. For my own community in Menominee Falls, um, it would save a couple tens of thousands of dollars because they'd be able to have this information uh, uh, in the machine versus having to take them off the shelves, open the envelope, and have people touch the ballots twice before they were put into the machine. It really has become just a tremendous amount of work that is has come purely by the fact that people put cats out of the bag on early voting for those two weeks beforehand, and some people enjoy it. And if this bill were to become law because of the savings, would you anticipate a place like Milwaukee County or the city of Milwaukee would actually implement these changes? Well, Milwaukee, Walk, uh, you know, Green Bay, uh, Washington, or excuse me, Green Bay, Waukesha, Milwaukee, you have all of us working together. It's interesting okay. if you look at all the authors on there, there's bipartisan support from around the state, including Madison. And the reason is the cost savings are there. The, the program, as we are right now, is just so time-consuming, and it, it really does make things that much more difficult to get the results quickly that folks are looking for. So by having people get the confidence of putting their, their ballot in the machine, it's incredibly important. Very important. And so this truly is... Uh a change that's coming from the bottom up rather than the top down. And because of oh, that, sure. you, would, really? you would anticipate actually uh, seeing municipalities across the state use this new procedure. Yeah. I, a huge shout out to the municipal clerk association. You know, we, we originally tried to um, have conversations both with the county clerk and the municipal clerks. The municipal clerks clearly are the ones that are responsible for this. They went through step-by-step. Kelly Michaels, who is now the president of the Municipal Clerks Association, is, I mean, without them, there's that hands-on knowledge of running multiple elections is really important in this process. You know, as a legislator, you think you know everything, but people who have run elections for 20-plus, 30 years have a completely different knowledge set. And real quick, uh, AB203 is out of committee. Is it? Uh, are you expecting a vote on the floor? It did get off the floor last time. We're hoping it gets through the Senate as well. Um, the reason being the cost savings, the voter yeah. integrity, and most important, that it will speed up real-time election results, which I think makes – and remember, that's, that's still only that night. There's still that canvas that goes back. We really hope we can move this forward for the state of Wisconsin. Another bill that you just recently introduced was Assembly Bill 897, uh, having to do with Eric and a whole host of different changes. Can you walk our listeners through uh, AB 897 and what they should know about it? Sure. So Eric was something that um, the Electronic Registration Information Center, Eric, is a statewide plan to basically uh, provide information about voters and use different sets of information to match up with their real voters. So it uses driver's license, social security number. So when you register as a voter, it can say, this is who you are. Um, This bill, basically, the ERIC system that Wisconsin got into, gosh, has it been four years now, um, that basically uses all of that information to verify voters 
uh, and it's it's proprietary information as far as how they sell themselves. They're now in 30 states. I think when Wisconsin joined it was 15. It allows um, that information to also let us know if you have voted in another state. So if you voted in Wisconsin and Illinois or you voted in Wisconsin and Michigan, it generates a report as to folks that have, with all of this information, so if your name is John Smith, it would say that your social security number and your address and where your work address all corresponded that you voted twice. And this just sends out the report. Um, as you can imagine, getting all the information back from the different states takes a little bit longer and then allows that information to be reported to the DAs, uh, hoping that it would uh, have those DAs prosecute those folks for double voting or for voter fraud. It's a pretty simple bill, 897. Um, unfortunately, it took us a little, I was not quite aware of the reporting capability, um, but WEC would be able, the Wisconsin Election Commission, would use this ERIC report to kind of tap down on fraud and make sure that we were catching up with those folks who were obviously, you know, trying to abuse the system. So ERIC is a system Wisconsin and many other states, as you point out, have been using for some time. Um, So is this report currently being generated or would this be a new requirement that once ERIC uh, does its uh, a review of, of 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 voter data that it spit out this new report about potential people who might have voted in more than one state. Right. So um, no, it is it is a report that's been available to us. Oh, it we is. Okay. It is, and it's one of those things that the legislature had to step in and say, no, we want that report. You know, when we bought into the Eric system, you know, it's kind of like buying new software. You don't realize some of the things that are available to, to us. Well, that's what this is. This report is available to us. Uh, Wisconsin Election Commission did not have any direction on it. So this bill simply states, A, that we get it, B, that we notify the DAs, and C, that we make it transparent. So this is really um, using the, the software that's available to us and making sure that we're getting all the best paying out of our box. And, um, of course... The current system uh, using ERIC and when a voter's name pops up in that system, the the process is is spelled out in state law that your local clerk is supposed to try and figure out why your name popped up on the ERIC system as being wrong or your address. Uh, And then if they can't figure that out, um, they have uh, they then uh, forward those names on to the, the local district attorney. So it sounds like for AB 897, you're taking that existing process and you're just applying it to a new set of of potential uh, voters and and those who might have committed fraud. Sure. So this bill goes also includes that any of the local clerks that have a system where they may have had double voting, that they also give that to WEC. Wisconsin Election Commission, and so we'll have all the in-state double voting and all the out-of-state double voting so that we can make sure that we're keeping AR list clean and going after abusers of voting. And so uh, the you mentioned how currently this report about potential uh, out-state voter, out-of-state voters, excuse me, voting, who might have voted twice. It's a report that's currently available. Is that currently available to the public or is it uh, 
proprietary information that's not available to the public right now? Well, we, we kind of found out that this report was available in the software, and that's why we've legislative. And again, I have to take, think, and I have not yet, Senator Bernier, for helping us draft this so that we um, it is available after an election. So after this presidential, it would be available to us. Um, after the spring election, I'm not quite sure if we'll be able to get it all between the spring and the primary because they need quite a few months to be able to get the data from the other states or the other 30 states. Um, but after a presidential, we'd be able to have that list six months after, and that would allow us, the DAs, then to go after it. So it, it is there. It just needs to be generated. We, we as a legislator need to tell them, A, to make it available to us, B, to go to the DAs, and then see that it will be part of the reporting process going forward. So it will be a new report going forward after an election that will be available to us. Uh, I see that uh, the bill made it out of committee 5-3. Can you share with our listeners, uh, apparently there's some opposition to this bill. Can you share share with us what the, the that opposition is? You know, this bill um, kind of was a last-minute deal. Um, I, uh, Rep- Senator Bernier and I had conversations about this data and making sure that it was available to the public. And I did not have quite the time that I would have liked to. It was only a very short co-sponsored time. Okay. Uh, I am hoping to get both Democrats and Republic, I mean, Republican support on this because, listen, fraudulent voting is fraudulent voting. Republican or Democrat, we certainly want folks that are breaking the rules to be treated, you know, to get what's due to them. We certainly don't want to be a state known for being able to double vote. So at the end of the day, I'm hoping to get support on both sides for this because really it's the right thing to do. And it appears that this was made a special order of business for Thursday. So we do anticipate this bill, AB 897, receiving a vote on Thursday on the assembly floor. That is true. Okay, great. Great. We've touched on it a little bit. Um, we're towards the end of session here. This is the time of year where uh, lots of activity on both the Senate and the Assembly floor, bills flying back and forth. Can, <laughs> can you share with our listeners uh, a little bit? Uh, you had a marathon floor session yesterday. It looks like you're going to have a marathon floor session on Thursday. Um, share with our listeners what exactly is going on in the Assembly this week. Well, as you can imagine, we're doing a lot of reading, uh, a lot of communications about making sure the bills are exactly right, a lot of back and forth between the Senate and the Assembly, and uh, a lot of teamwork going on right now. And that goes across the aisle as well. We're trying to make sure that we can do everything we can to get these bills off of not only out of the Assembly and the Senate, but to the governor's desk as well. it is exhausting, and you can probably tell from my voice that I've been talking to a lot of folks. It's a privilege to be able to have this job, and um, I could probably talk to nerd with you about at least three dozen bills to the point of, you know, I put all your viewers, excuse me, all your listeners to sleep. So that being said, um, yeah, it, it's called the silly season for a reason. We're a little silly because we're tired, and um, it, it's a privilege to be able to do this. Everyone wants to get their legislation up the door. Uh, one of the big questions here towards the end is, of course, uh, what to do with the surplus uh, for our listeners. Uh, recently announced by the Nonpartisan Legislative Fiscal Bureau that uh, the state of Wisconsin would have $818 million 
more in tax collection. How exciting, right? How really exciting. Yeah, very exciting than previously uh, anticipated. And so there's been a debate between Governor Evers and the uh, the two houses about how to what to use that surplus floor. Uh, Governor Evers, after initially expressing uh, a desire to be conservative uh, with the surplus, uh, changed course and now wants to spend uh, most of that surplus on uh, more education spending. Um, Republicans announced last Friday a plan to use the surplus to provide additional tax relief. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit, Janelle, about your feelings about the surplus and what it should be used for? You know, I, I thought that uh, the plan that came out was a good plan. It hit the three things. We tried to reduce some of our manufacturing tax, which is so critical for jobs in the state. We gave money back to taxpayers, really, we, and it's a permanent in the sense that it's changing the brackets. And third, we're paying down debt, right? When, when things are going well, why not pay down part of your debt so that you're not straddled that, with that when the economy turns? So I thought it was a really fair process, a triple win to the taxpayers, to our manufacturing, and also to pay down debt so long-term we're a better state going forward. I, I don't know what else you can say for that going forward. Uh, education still is 43% of our budget every year, and uh, they've had increases for, gosh, every year for that I've been here for the last five years. And, you know, unfortunately, Wisconsin is seeing less students. So sometimes, as many people don't understand, all of the education funding is done on a per-student basis. So when we have a less population, it's just less money for kids because we have less kids. Um, we are still spending 43% of our budget on students, and K that's just K-12 education. And I think we've made a real commitment to it. I think additional spending... We want to see those numbers improve because, unfortunately, education in Wisconsin has been going down, and we start maybe need to look at helping our teachers become better teachers to the kids that they have. So I thought the plan was fair. It hits three checkboxes for residents, and more importantly, it keeps us in check going forward. And any thoughts on whether or not uh, Governor Evers will sign uh, uh your package, the legislative Republicans package? Um, I, I, I don't know why he wouldn't. Um, I, I, I can't speak for him, obviously, but I, I thought it was a fair plan and trying to help taxpayers or companies and also pay down our debt. So I, I thought they were three boxes that made sense to me. Uh, Representative Branchin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time and sharing uh, your knowledge and wisdom and expertise on uh, battle integrity in general and a couple of these bills. We hope that you will join us again sometime. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us. A real privilege. Thank you so much, Brett. As always, listeners, please share the MacGyver Newsmaker podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and even your sworn enemies. Get every MacGyver Newsmaker podcast delivered directly to your device. Be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast app, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Google Play. You can also join the conversation. Find MacGyver on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or whatever the latest hip and trendy channel is. Give us your ideas for the show, your comments, your criticism, or whatever else is on your mind. We want to hear from you. Until next time, Wisconsin, this is the MacGyver Newsmaker podcast signing off.